Mark chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1 to 9. Just a reminder to everybody that this we are reading the Word of God. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen. All right. Thanks, Peter. Um, and welcome again to everyone. Um, glad you're here with us. I know it's not the uh, most easiest way to engage, but hopefully uh, you can kind of lean in and put in a bit of effort to um, yeah, join with me as we look at uh, Mark chapter four. So we've been going through uh, Mark. Uh, we're continuing through Mark. Uh, most likely we'll continue through until um, at least a couple of months and um, then we'll see where we go. Um, and this, this sermon title, if you write notes, if that's your thing, um, I've titled The Four Soils. Right, the four soils. Um, a few years ago, um, I was sitting through a Korean service, right? Everything done in Korean. Um, and this was back when I used to serve at Sezun Church. Now, Sezun Church is a Korean church. And because I was on staff, every once in a while, there were some services I had to go to. Um, and most, most of them, um, you know, throughout the year, but always New Year's Eve was one of the ones I had to go. So while everyone else, else is out celebrating New Year's Eve and you know, watching the fireworks, um, I'd be at church um, as it clocks over to midnight, um, hearing the fireworks in the background. You know, awesome stuff, awesome stuff. Um, and it was just great. You know, sitting through church as you clock over to the new year is, I think, a great thing. I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, the struggle for me, to be honest, was like I just didn't understand much at all, right? If you know me, my Korean is, is fairly bad. Um, I think I'd understand less than 30% of what's being said in like a Korean sermon, right? Cause there's a jargon and the special references that they give. Um, it'd take me like five minutes to figure out what book of the Bible we're in um, because all the names are different as well. And so often I'd sit there, you know, like half listening, half daydreaming. Um, sometimes if I felt really productive, I'd open up the Bible and I'd open up my notebook and I just work on my next sermon, right? <laughs> I kind of pretend I was listening uh, when really I was, I was just doing something else. Like, it's just me being honest, guys. Um, but this one time, right, I remember it was a New Year's Eve service. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to be here anyway. I might as well kind of take something out of it, right? I think it was like a bit of stubbornness. I'm going to take something out of this. And so I'm going to engage. And so I remember, like, I just fully decided I'm going to learn today. And I changed my posture. I, I sat on the edge of my chair. Right? I leaned in, like, literally. And I took out my Bible. I took out my notebook. And throughout the sermon, I was just trying really hard. It was like 300% of my attention was given to try to understand every word. And I'm missing like you know, most of the words, but the, the phrases that I get, 
right? I try to bring it back to the the Bible passage that we're in. I'm like, yeah, what's he say here? What's he trying to what's he trying to point out? And sometimes when you know I wouldn't understand for a while, I I just be studying the passage instead, and then I go back to the to, to the sermon. And it's kind of like trying to put together a puzzle piece, right? Figuring out of what was going on. But I persevered, and I remember I left that uh, service, right? Again, understanding less than 30% of what was going on with pages of notes, right? I had at least, I think, two or three pages of just these notes that I'd taken away from the sermon or the Bible. And I had some deep stuff in there, right? I don't even know if that's what the preacher was saying again, because I don't didn't really understand what he was saying. Um, but I don't think it mattered because I had the Bible open. I had my heart open and the spirit of God was at work between those two things. And I remember leaving that day so convicted uh, that my failure to learn from the word of God is often nothing to do with the preacher, uh, nothing to do with the sermon, the Bible study, devotional, or, you know, whatever. Often the problem was my heart right? and the posture of my heart that I came to the word of God with, right? How's my heart? Right? Am I leaning in? And so in today's parable, this is kind of exactly what our Lord Jesus is talking about. He's talking about you know, the state of the heart when we come before God's word. Now, the parable, if I were just to summarize you know, what's going on in the parable, in the parable, Jesus says a, a sower goes out and this sower is scattering seed. And depending on the kind of soil, the seed will either you know, do nothing or the seed will be received and grow, but then die. Or in the best scenario, the seed will grow and it will bear a lot of fruit, right? If we were to interpret uh, what is going on to us, I just want to uh, interpret three key terms. Uh, first, we have the sower. Okay, so who's the sower? Uh, some people say the sower is Jesus, uh, but there's nothing really to indicate such a narrow reading. Um, it's best understood that the sower is anyone who's scattering the seed. Okay, so the next question is, well, what's the seed? The seed, Jesus explains later in verse 14, we didn't read this, but if you look in your Bible in verse 14, Jesus says the sower sows the word, right? And so the seed is the word, it's the word of God. And so the sower is anyone who's going out to you know, scatter word, God's word. And so that's what I'm doing now, I'm preaching. But that's also included when you evangelize, when you teach the Bible, when there's Bible study, or even when you do personal devotions, in a sense, you're sowing the seed you know, back into your heart. You got the sower, you got the seed, and lastly, you have the soil. What's the soil? The soil is us, right? Or as Luke puts it, uh, it's our hearts. Uh, the four soils depicted in this parable are representing four types of hearts, and they're each going to receive the word uh, in different ways, um, and different results are going to come. And so the question as I go through these you know, four soils, and it's really going to focus on the first three, the fourth one is quite short. The question is, which of these soils best describes the state and posture of your heart? But as I go through these four soils, which one best describes your heart? And do you see your posture, your heart as you come to service today, or as you think about the way that you approach Bible study, which of these best describes your heart? And can you relate with any of these? And this is important because, again, often we blame the sower or the seed for the lack of our spiritual growth. When we don't take something away from the sermon, when we're not growing, we're like, you know, the preacher was bad, you know, you know, the sermon wasn't funny, you know, the, the Bible study material is dry, you know, whatever it is, we kind of have our reasons. But in this parable, it's not the soul's fault. 
It's not the seed, it's the same seed that's been scattered. All that's different is the soil, right? It's the soil alone, at least in this parable, that is making the difference between no change and an incredible abundance of fruit. And so today I'm just gonna look at our hearts, which one best reflects my heart, right? Even under the best preaching or teaching or Bible study, some of us just don't seem to grow, but even under bad preaching, or even Korean preaching, we don't understand. Some of us, we somehow do, right? And so, which one is your heart? Right, number one, we're going to go to the sealed soil. By the way, I don't have slides again. I just want to try that out. I feel like that might help gauge. Number one is the sealed soil. So we're going to go to verse two. Um, as he was teaching them, uh, many things in parables, and in his teaching, Jesus said to them, verse three, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Right, so the first kind of soil Jesus describes is a path. And the seed falls on it, the birds come, and they eat it. Now, when Jesus talks about a path, uh, some of us, we think about like our version of a path, like a cement sidewalk. Uh, but that's not what Jesus is explaining. Back in those times, they didn't have paths like cement. A path was just like soil that people had walked over, over and over again. So it's no different from the rest of the dirt that surrounded the path. It just happened to be that it was compressed under the feet of the farmer and the people that were walking by. And so after a while, you know, this soil just happened to be the path and the soil would be hardened with an outer layer of compressed soil, right? So that's the path. And so what happens is that when this seed is thrown onto the path, it just sits over the hardened outer layer. It doesn't kind of break through into the soft soil underneath. And because it just sits there, there's no opportunity or, ch or chance for you know, any growth to happen. And Jesus describes that it sits there and then the birds come and they devour it. Jesus later explains the bird is Satan. He comes and he snatches the word from making any change. And when you apply this uh, kind of soil to us, it's describing the kind of heart that has a hardened outer layer around it. And that's why I call it the sealed heart or the sealed soil. It's the heart that is just hardened and the word of God has no opportunity to break through inside to make a change. Right? We're blocked off. Right? We're hardened. There's no chance. And this is the kind of heart or a person that might come into a service or might come into growth group already defensive, already critical, judgmental, standoffish, skeptical, bitter. And this kind of person would most likely remain unmoved by God's word. And again, it's not about the preacher's ability or the quality of the seed. It's about the state of the soil. Just because of their posture, even before a word is spoken, because they're hardened, God's word won't go through. Now, God's word, it can break through any hardened heart, right? Like God can do what he wants. But the normal way that God will work with a hardened heart is that the word of God just will bounce off it. And that's not God's fault, really. That's our fault. Now, a person's heart might be sealed for various reasons. And some of them even may be justified. But it doesn't make a difference if it's hardened. Even if you are justified in your hardened heartness, that's not a word, um, you, you won't receive much from God. And so if I get through ABC, it might be A, apathetic hearts. 
Are people attending church out of duty, out of habit? Or you've just done this all the time. And you're not really there to engage with God. You're just there just, just to tick off a box. And so that's a hardened heart. You're probably not going to receive them from God. Sin can harden your heart and make it apathetic. And so if you're living in continual sin, your heart will be hardened. It'll be apathetic toward God. And it's less likely that you'll receive much. B, bitter hearts. So bitter hearts are often hardened, maybe like the, the hardened path that's been stepped on. You feel like you've been stepped on too many times. And so you come to church and you feel wronged. You feel uh, bitter toward people, maybe to the pastors, the leaders, people around your community. Maybe you feel bitter toward God. And that kind of heart, again, even if justified, will struggle to hear and receive from God's word. And a lack of forgiveness in this instance will make it difficult for you to engage with God. So you got apathetic, you got bitter, and see you got critical hearts. Sometimes people approach the, the, the sermon just, just to find fault. And maybe you're older, you're smarter, you're prideful, and you're less likely to engage, or you're critical, you're looking for mistakes. You don't like the style. You don't like the person standing up there. Again, all these things, if you're critical, will make your heart hardened. You'll probably receive very little, if anything at all. So whatever the reason for the sealed heart, the sealed soil, uh, God's word doesn't break through. And that's the, that's the normative way that God will engage with that person. And if that describes you today, I urge you, you know, really for your own sake, to do whatever it takes to soften your heart before you come before God's word. Whether it's a service, whether it's Bible study, right, to, to pray um, and to ask God to soften your heart. Maybe you need to forgive someone uh, so that you can be in that place freely. Maybe you need to repent of your sins right, so that you can really engage with God. Maybe you simply need to ask for, for humility, right, for the pride that is unwilling to listen to that person standing up there. Right, if there's work to be done, if there's conversations to be had, if there's hard work, uh, I encourage you to do it because the sealed soil doesn't even get anywhere. Right? And it's even before a word is spoken. All right, the second soil. The shallow soil. You got the sealed soil. We've got the shallow soil in verse five. Let's read verse five. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. <clears throat> now, from the surface activity, this second soil that's described seems really positive. It's kind of really the polar opposite of the sealed soil. In the sealed soil, uh, there's zero activity. Now, in this shallow soil, there's a lot of activity. It says it immediately, uh, immediately sprang up. In a very short amount of time, like there's a lot of apparent, it seems, growth. So from the outside, this soil actually seems the best out of all of them, even better than the one that we're going to find out is the good one. All right? This describes the Christian who, in the public appearance, seems to have a lot of activity. They're involved with a lot of stuff. They seem super keen. But the problem is that even though it seems like that on the outside, underneath the surface, where no one can see, right, it is shallow. Right? Looks can be deceiving with this one. You see, what Jesus describes, he calls it the rocky soil, the rocky ground, but it's not the fact that it has rocks. It's the fact that the rocks mean the soil is shallow. He says this twice. It did not have much soil, he says. And then later he says, it had no depth of soil. All right, so the key feature of this soil again is that it is shallow. 
there's not much depth. And this is actually a real thing uh, in like agriculture. You know, when you plant seeds, if there's no room for the roots to grow downward, it will stop. And instead the plant will shoot upwards, right? Because it's got nowhere to go down in the roots. But what that leads to is a plant with very kind of shallow roots. And on the outside feels like it looks uh, like it's strong and it's growing, but it's weak. Right? And that's what Jesus says about this. On the outside, it seems like it has a lot of growth, but under the surface where no one can see, it's not actually healthy. It's publicly impressive, but privately superficial and shallow. And when we apply this analogy to us and our hearts, it's describing the person who has an interaction with God that is, is shallow. God's word doesn't go deep into their hearts or into their lives. Maybe they don't give enough time, enough space, enough priority, but God's word doesn't really take deep root into their lives. It's treated lightly. There's no deep engagement. And the word of God doesn't really, it's not lived out in their lives. If God's word is like a meal, we need to do more than slurp down a quick, easy, convenient and a shake. We need to chew over the scriptures, give it the full attention of our minds, put in the work to discover you know, what is really here, right? to, to unearth the treasure in the scriptures, and then to let it convict us, and then to live it out so that we might see God's word change our lives. And only then do we really get to see and prove God's word is true, it's wise, this is the best way to live, only when we've given it that full, complete work in our lives. But if all we do is sit through a sermon, let's say, and nod our heads, mm, and then leave and forget about it, and that's all our engagement with God's word is, a very shallow engagement with God's word, it has not really taken deep root in your life. You may know some stuff, but you don't know it in your heart with your life. Right, so it's not enough to know deep truths. We must know these truths deeply. Right? Know the truth deeply. It has to get you and it has to be lived through you. Right? God's word deeply rooted in your life. And the reason why this matters, if you go to verse 6, Jesus says, When the sun rose, it was scorched. And since, since it had no root, it withered away. And when the sun rose, the plant is scorched. Because it has no root, he says, and it withers away. Now, the sun, Jesus explains in verse 17, if you go to verse 17, he explains what the sun is. He says it is tribulation or persecution that arises on account of the word. Right? So it's tribulation, it's persecution. You can understand it as difficulty. Right? When people attack your life, when life doesn't seem to go well. In these moments, Jesus says, the person where the word of God has not really taken deep root, they will fall away overnight. Immediately, he says, they fall away. And it's because they have no roots. God's word is, has been only been engaged with in a shallow, shallow level. And so when the trials and difficulties, pain and losses come, we question, we doubt. God's word, it, 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 it's not deeply rooted, so it, it just we, we don't trust it. And we're quick to turn away from God. Those things, the trials and difficulties, are the furnace in which the quality of our faith is tested and it's revealed. And so even though on the outside, it appeared as if this kind of soil or Christian was strong, under the surface, it was shallow 
and trials expose right, the superficial faith that this person has. For example, God is loving and good. That's easier to say when life is good. Uh, but unless that truth has taken kind of real deep root in your life, when life is not good, right, it's easy uh, to just leave that truth behind, to question that truth and to turn away from God. Right? That's what Jesus is explaining. And I'm sure a lot of us, we know people who, you know, once in church were so passionate, uh, involved, active, you know, from what we could see on the surface, it looked like there was so much good fruit. But then one day something happened, maybe work happened, relationships happened, money, struggle, suffering, and immediately they fell away, right? It seemed like their faith just went out the window and they left the church, they got angry at God. And it's deeply saddening and it's confusing when we see that uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and we wonder like, you know, what, what, what happened? I thought they were Christian, right? Where's, where's the category for this in the Bible? There's no category for it, but here it is. The category is here. Jesus describes that kind of person. It's a person who on the external seemed to grow, but under the surface in secret, right? There was only a surface relationship. It's so important that in the good seasons, that we have, if that's where you're at, you're at, that you would fight to engage with God's word deeply, to let God's word in the season you're in be rooted deeply in you, to give it the time, the energy, to mull it over your mind, to reflect, to meditate on it, to let it convict you, and then to live it out. Because only then, when the storms of life come, will you be like a tree with its root gone deep that doesn't bend, Right, because the roots are deep. And if you're struggling right now, I encourage you to go back to God's word. Right? Cling to the promises and the hope you find there. Read it, meditate on it, preach it to yourself, pray it, go to God's word. Right? That's what stops us from falling away. So we've got the sealed soil. That was number one. Second, we've got the shallow soil. And third, we've got the shared soil. We find that in verse seven. The shared soil, verse seven. Let me read this. Um, other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. The, this third soil, Jesus says, it has thorns. And so the soil is shared among the thorns. And for us, we can kind of think weeds, right? That's, that's what's happening here, thorns or weeds. And later in verse 19, Jesus described again what these thorns are, verse 19. He calls it the cares of the world. And the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things, right? these things enter in and take the word and it is unfruitful. So the thorns or the weeds, uh, they're the love of things of the world. The love of the things of the world. We're talking sinful pleasures, earthly ambition, the love of money, the need of prestige, relational idolatry, right? The list goes on. Right? These things. Are they shared in your heart with God? This kind of soul that Jesus is describing, or this kind of person, this kind of heart, is a person that says, I love God most, and right alongside of him, I love money. Reputation, self-glory, comfortable living, my girlfriend, my boyfriend. And I'm going to share my heart with God and these things. And it's like a room that we fill with junk. If our heart was a room, we fill it with junk and we're like, God, you can have all of my heart, 
well, all that's left over, but you can't touch that one and I'll follow you, but, but you can't move that thing and you can do whatever you want, but leave that thing alone over there. Right? And we, we, we kind of leave these things in our hearts rather than emptying it all and saying, God, you alone can have it all. Right? It's, it's idolatry. It's a love of other things. The Christian heart is not meant to be shared. The Christian heart only has one throne on, in its heart, and the heart is to be for Jesus alone. Jesus alone reigns supreme. He alone has allegiance, and my obedience is only to him. And everything else in my life should submit to him. Right? But the shared soil shares their heart and their loves with Jesus and other things. And this really comes to a head when we have to choose between what God's word says and the thing that I love. And the question is, at those moments, what will you choose? If God's word says, minimize that thing that you love, cut out that thing that you love, that thing that you love, let it go. Well, will you listen to God and obey him and submit? Clear your heart and put Jesus alone there. Or will you let that thing that you love stay in your heart? Disobey God and let that thing grow. Because Jesus says if we do that, that thorn, that weed will choke out God and his word. If you let that thing grow in your heart, if you keep your, your heart and your love for it to grow, it will choke it out. The heart is not meant to be shared. Right? Our hearts are like gardens. And if any of you have ever tried to grow anything in a garden of vegetables or fruits, you know that you can't leave a garden and expect things to grow. If you left your garden for a year, you were on a holiday and you came back um, and you expected you know, vegetables to be flourishing and fruit to be growing, um, that's just not the way it happens. Your, your plants are probably dead. And the garden will be overrun by weeds. And so what we need to do to, to tend to the garden is we need to you know, find the weeds. We need to pluck them, throw them out. And then even after we feel like we've completely emptied the garden of any weeds or thorns, we need to keep a watch because these weeds somehow always seem to come back. And that's the same with our hearts. Our hearts are a garden and we need to tend to the garden of our hearts. We need to find the weeds, the things that are in there that we love, and we need to take them out, we need to throw them out, and then we need to keep watch over our hearts to make sure nothing else is creeping in. If you leave the thorns, the weeds, the other loves in your heart, at best, they'll hinder the work of God in your life. And at worst, they will completely take over your heart until there's no room left for God. Now, you don't leave the weeds with the plants. They don't mix. They're not compatible. And most of the times, the weed will grow and it will kill the plant. And if there's something in your life today that you know is opposed to God, God's will, what God's word commands of you, what God desires of you, then it's really important that you don't leave that around in your life, that you don't keep it in your heart because there is a battle going on consistently with all of us. If there was a soil that I feel like we all will struggle with, it's this one because we all struggle with certain things in this world that we love. We're all faced with temptation from the devil to love this thing and idolatize this thing. And we need to fight that. We need to look for those weeds. And there's someone who, who loved Jesus, perhaps, and loved other things is Judas. Right? If you look at the life of Judas, he was with Jesus all the time. He heard his teachings. He saw his miracles. 
but he he loved money. I don't know if he really loved Jesus. I reckon you could argue at one point he might have. But Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You'll either hate one and you'll love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. And that's what happened with Judas. He let his love of money stay in his heart. He loved money. He hates Jesus. And he betrayed him. He betrayed Jesus for some money. And you've got to make sure that in our hearts, there's no other loves apart from him. Again, I think this one applies to us the most out of all of them, at least. And so the question is, do you have things in your heart that you love that you know shouldn't be shared with God? Maybe God's word speaks directly into that and you need a response. Right? Find the weeds, pluck them, and keep watch over the garden of your heart. Then we have the last soil. And the last soil, again, it's not really explained um, in, in detail, um, is the suitable soil. So we have the sealed soil, the shallow soil, uh, the shared soil, and lastly, you have the suitable soil. Verse 8, other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. You know, the soil uh, isn't described in detail. And I think that's because if you're not the other three, uh, then you will be this one. And so is your heart sealed? Is your heart like sealed with a hard outer layer? So it's hard for God's word to even have a chance. Is it shallow, right? Is your relationship with God in God's word shallow? Or do you let it take deep root? Is your heart shared? Do you have other idols in your life? But if you're none of those three, then most likely you're the suitable one, right? You're the good one. Jesus says, uh, these people in verse 20 are those that hear the word and they accept it and they bear fruit, right? It feels so simple. You hear the word, you accept it, and God's word will bear fruit. And it's kind of like a garden again. Uh, you know, in a sense, uh, raising a plant, uh, I'm growing a plant's easy. You put it into the soil, you water it, and that's it. Uh, but you know, kind of what you're doing is making sure all these things that can go wrong don't go wrong. Take out the weeds and they kill the bugs that grow. You just got to make sure everything else around it um, that is wrong doesn't happen. And that's the same, I think, with our hearts. Uh, if everything that's wrong is not happening, we'll grow fruit. And the kind of fruit that Jesus describes is quite uh, amazing. He says it'll bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Um, again, in if you're a farmer, you're growing plants, a 10 times yield is quite a lot if you've got 10 times. Right? If you put a plant in and you've got 10 times whatever you, know, you put in, um, that's a great yield. That's a 1,000% return. Um, but Jesus says that with God's word, you're going to get 30 times, 60 times, 100 times. Because that's the kind of seed that the God's word is. That's how powerful it is. That if we would just give our hearts um, just the right posture and readiness to receive from him, there will be an abnorm abnormal harvest that God will bring about when we receive the word of God. It's an abundance of fruit. It's a harvest of transformation. If we would just be good soil to receive from his word, right? whether it's a sermon, whether it's in growth groups, whether it's in your personal devotions, it's so important we come with the right heart. So don't be sealed, shallow or shared, but be suitable. But right, as I close, I just want to point out one more thing. You know, the scary part of all of this is that um, Jesus talks about four soils and only one of them in the end is commended by Jesus. 
right? That's 25%, and if you put a percentage on it. So 75% of these three out of four are not good soil. At least two of these for sure, they're not Christian in the end, right? Half are not Christian. And the third one, the shared soil, it's arguable. Maybe the fruit is hindered or maybe it just chokes out the plant totally in the end. Only one really endures and is fruitful all the way to the end. It's not snatched up by Satan. It gets through life's difficulties, right? It resists temptation to share hearts. Only one out of the four. And I think that's, that's like that for a reason. Uh, if the majority of the soils here in the parable um, need work to be done, you know, when I look at us as Kingsway, I think it would be foolish for us to think that you know, it's not the same for us. I think the majority of us need work to be done in our hearts. I think few of us should be able to say, I'm the suitable soil, right? If that's you, I'm like, I'm the suitable soil. Um, maybe you are, <laughs> praise God. M maybe you're the, um, I don't know, maybe you're the seal sealed soil, you know? Like, oh, I'm, I'm too good, I don't need to listen to this, um, but maybe you should listen to this. Yeah. If you're like me, um, I, I can see myself in each of these in some ways. Um, but by God's grace, right, as we lean on God's strength to let the word of God pierce our hearts, as we get on our knees and we do some of the hard work, the hard garden work, um, my hope is that as our hearts are softened, God will lead us to an abundance of fruit and transformation at Kingsway. You know, the greatest battle in your life right now um, is right here. It's in your heart. Um, that's where the battle's being waged. That's where Satan is attacking. You know, the war for eternity uh, was won on the cross by Jesus, but today's battle is going on in your heart. Right? Is your heart ready to receive from God's word? Or will you let it be taken by Satan? Or would you let God's word you know, you know, be, be um, you know, taken away because the storms of life? Or will you share your heart with something else? You know, I really pray that as we heard today, um, the irony is that I don't know, but the sealed soils will just not hear from God's word today because it's here. I don't know. But, you know, I trust that God's going to speak to us and that we would respond in whatever way is appropriate.